there's a tremendous mismatch between the types of housing that we are planning for and building for and what the market is wanting. There's a tremendous shift in market demand for people who want to live in walkable urban places. Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Infinite Earth Radio will not only help you learn from bright, visionary civic leaders who are building smarter, more inclusive and sustainable communities, but you'll discover how you can bring these ideas to your community. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancocks and Vernice Miller-Travis. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. This is your host, Mike Hancocks, and our topic today is Missing Middle Housing, Responding to the Demand for Walkable Urban Living. Daniel Paralek is a nationally recognized thought leader in architecture, design, and urban planning, specifically in terms of creating livable, sustainable communities and buildings that reinforce them. He is the founder and a principal at Opticos, an architectural and urban design firm located in Berkeley, California. Daniel, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Daniel, did I get the name of your firm right? Opticos? Yeah, Opticos Design is the longer term, but Opticos is fine. That's what we call ourselves here in the office. I'd like to start off by giving our audience a little feel for who our guests are. And can you tell us a little bit about the moment when you first knew that architecture and urban design were you know, going to be what you were doing for a living? Uh, it's a really great question. So looking back at it, I grew up in a small, very walkable and bikeable community in, in Nebraska and really looking back at it feel like my experience in growing up there and even kind of being let loose even at a young age of remember when I was six years old my mom let me ride my bike to kindergarten on my own so and I remember riding my bike to the main street and going to the bike shop and the hardware store and all sorts of really great the movie theater in downtown and so I, I think I sort of, over the course of living in a place like that, sort of grew up, grew up passion for placemaking in vibrant communities. And actually, I wrote an essay when I was in sixth grade about wanting to be an architect. So I guess it was uh, maybe between growing up in a really great sort of vibrant community and also being let loose on my grandfather's farm and having lots of time to build lots of cool forts out of stacked hay bales and tree houses and such sort of ultimately ended up me having a real interest and passion for it. Yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of folks, when they look back on their youth, they can see clear signs of why they ended up doing what they did they're doing. So let, let's let's jump to today's topic. So missing middle housing. What is missing middle housing? What is it? Yeah, so this is a, a concept that I came up with and coined the term for about a little over four years ago. And the first time I presented this was actually at the New Partners for Smart Growth Conference several years ago. And it's what this is, is this is the scale of housing in between single family homes and sort of the four and five story apartment buildings. And it's the duplex, it's a fourplex, it's a small courtyard apartment or bungalow court that you know, this, these range of housing types exist in every pre-1940s neighborhood across the country. So they're usually mixed in with other even single family homes. And they make up a really uh, 
vibrant part of a community and provide housing choices in those places that they exist. And, you know, the reason that we call them missing is that we've built very, very few of these housing types in the past 50 to 60 years for a a large number of reasons, um, starting with with zoning codes that put barriers in place. But there's a lot of other reasons, both uh, financing and even just not having systems set up to deliver these housing, that that sort of reason they're tagged as missing. So why is that a problem? It's more and more of a problem, and I would say that the the interest in this topic has grown pretty dramatically over the last couple of years because there's a tremendous mismatch between the types of housing that we are planning for and building for and what the market is wanting in terms of there's a tremendous shift in market demand for people who want to live in walkable urban places. And these housing types uh, can provide a wide range of housing choices in these walkable urban places. And there's also a tremendous shift in household demographics that's happening right now. Just some examples is currently 30% of all households are single-person households. So you can imagine what impact that has on the types and sizes of housing that we're providing. By 2030, up to 75 to 85% of all households will not have children. Um, so once again, you can imagine the impact that has on, you know, we've, we've done a great job of delivering these uh, large single-family homes that did a great job of serving this sort of nuclear 1950s, 60s, and 70s nuclear family of the mom and dad and multiple kids, but the household demographics are shifting pretty dramatically and, and just really requiring us to think differently about the housing we're providing. So those two things have have sort of reinforced this mismatch between the types of housing that are out there and the types of housing we in our communities need to be providing. And, um, you know, there's a whole long conversation we can also have about affordability and the, these uh, missing middle types is a real need to provide affordable choices as well. So we've built communities and, and we're missing this kind of human scale, walkable, the architecture that would support the housing that would support um, a walk, more walkable communities. How do we transition? How do we fix that problem? How do we get rid of, you know, how do we fill in the gap that's missing? Yeah, and I think it's, yeah, there's not a kind of a single prong solution. And um, the, the types of people that we've been working with over the last few years to help address this issue range from regional planning agencies to sort of local uh, local planning agencies for cities and towns, and then also on the opposite end of the spectrum, working with builders. And um, what I would say is the, a really great starting point has been cities really making a, a taking a focused effort to to get rid of obstacles, um, whether it be in uh, comprehensive planning, sort of citywide planning policies, or in their zoning codes. And I think one of the primary reasons that missing middle has caught on so much is it's given. It's given communities the tools to talk about the need for housing choices without using scary terms like density and uh, multifamily. And so, when I'm when I go into a community and talk to them about missing middle, I said, you know, let's let's sort of step away from using that scary D word that sort of gets everybody up in arms, and even a term like multifamily. Let's just talk about these range of housing choices that we need to be thinking about and how they're extremely compatible with even a lot of the single family homes that exist in, in, in their communities um, as a starting point. And then we've also been having great conversations with builders, both 
you know, to builders who've historically built mostly single family homes that are realizing that they need to shift and add these missing middle housing types to their portfolios to respond to the shifting demand. And then even apartment builders are starting to look at this as well. So where are the opportunities, I guess, in the built environment now in, in urban areas? Are we looking at, you know, trying to change what we do with infill? Are we trying to, uh, you know, modify existing dwellings? How do we create this more diverse mix of housing options in communities that are already, you know, relatively built out? Is it is it possible? Yeah. And I think that, you know, in our planning practice, um, you know, we work with a wide range of different sizes of, of cities, towns, and even rural counties across the country and have I think the concept really starts by looking at opportunities for infill with missing middle. I think because that's just the most environmentally uh, sound uh, approach to take. And just what we found is that you have to be really, really uh, diligent about going through a a very well thought out process of assessing where these missing middle housing types make the most sense. Um, Because it may make, you know, some neighborhoods, for example, even some of the pre-1940s neighborhoods, there might be opportunities where there's already a certain percentage of these missing middle types that exist. So it may make sense for to encourage new missing middle to be built on opportunity sites or vacant lots. And there may be opportunities to think about sort of more of an evolution of, you know, adding an ancillary unit to the rear of a lot of a, of a historic cottage or enabling a, a, a house over a certain size to adapt and become a duplex or even a triplex. And that's, I'd say that's not the right solution for everywhere, but there's, I think there's infill opportunities in, in every community, whether it be in the a core of a neighborhood or along targeted corridors, or as you transition from a downtown that's where we typically find those opportunities. There is the need to also think about missing middle in terms of new communities, sort of as a, a city might be growing and creating new walkable neighborhoods that have a, a mix of these missing middle types. But I would say the the thought should start at the sort of infill uh, scale and sort of branch out in its uh, its implementation to that sort of a new community scale. So, Daniel, you mentioned... Um building codes as being and zoning as being kind of really important issues. Um, and I know you have some background in form-based codes. So can you talk a little bit about what we need to do with our building codes or how we need to adapt our building codes and our zoning to, to allow for the, this more diverse mixture of housing? Yeah. So, so what we find is a lot of our work is actually being hired by cities to go on and fix their their zoning codes and a lot of times it entails writing a new uh, writing a form-based code which is just a, a, a different approach to it and the, the biggest thing is we've created these both planning and zoning systems based on density which is a number of dwelling units per acre and just inherently out of the starting gate, if you have a system that allows a certain number of dwelling units per acre, it is discouraging and creating an unlevel playing field for small units. Because if, let's say, a developer has a, an infill site in a, along a corridor and it's an acre in size, and his zoning allows him to do uh, four units per acre, you know, he's going to build four of the largest units he possibly can, as opposed to giving the builder or developer an opportunity to say, okay, we're going to define the appropriate height, width, and depth of a building. 
And um, whether it has, it might could potentially have four large units in it, but you could also on that same site do six or seven smaller units if that's what the market seems to be asking for within that same building envelope. And so once again, it's sort of thinking about that appropriate form and scale and sort of based on its context, what's next to it, what's across the street, and just kind of writing a, a new set of rules to think about how to get to this ideal end result of providing these choices, you know, the a bungalow court, which is typically, that's like a little a series of single story, five or 600 square foot cottages oriented around a green space. A lot of times those are actually way more compatible in scale and character than what a current zoning code might allow, which might be a 35 foot tall, three story townhouse. And so we, we use the missing middle as part of that conversation about providing choice and also encouraging infill that's compatible with the neighborhood. What you're suggesting is, so I know that with with office space, for example, that rather than they use something called floor area ratio. So you have yes. a building lot, they say you can put so many square footage of, of, of commercial use on this and there's a height limit and there's side setbacks and those kind of things. So you're basically applying that kind of same approach to residential and you're saying, okay, now you divide it up kind of what based on what the market needs in terms of how many units that total square footage is going to become. Is that a fair assessment of the approach? Yeah, and we often talk about, because sometimes FAR is used for residential as well, the floor area ratio. And what we find is that when you're using a system based on a density number, uh, FAR number, it's like those numeric parameters are pretty blunt instruments if you're trying to achieve a good end result. And so let's, what we say is let's step away from those numbers and create a more predictable process here in terms of what ultimately gets built and start with the discussion about form and scale and back, back into that in that way. And uh, what seems like an eternity ago, I wrote a, I wrote a book on form-based coding. That's now uh, it's, it's, that was published by John Wiley and sons of people are more interested in that topic. So, what is the benefit to communities of going to an approach like this and promoting more of this miss, missing middle housing? You've, we've talked about the you know, meeting market demands. It's good for builders. But in terms of affordability, you mentioned affordability. How, how does this drive affordability? Well, I think as a starting point, we talk about missing middle as providing affordability by design because just inherently the units tend to be a little bit smaller you're looking at places of encouraging maybe a, a duplex or a fourplex on a site that may have historically only allowed or, or highly encouraged a single family detached house. Um, so, you know, the developer can have cost savings in terms of being able to sell the units for more inexpensively. But what this is partly about in a broader sense is thinking about thinking about a diverse, walkable neighborhood. And if you look at a place like Berkeley or even a place like Omaha, Nebraska, some of the downtown adjacent neighborhoods um, or Iowa City where we're doing some work is, you know, these pre-1940s downtown adjacent neighborhoods just had this mix of housing types. And so they provide diversity in a lot of different ways for, in terms of price ranges, different types of people living in them. So it can provide affordability just in the most basic kind of affordability by design. But in a more sophisticated approach, like what we're doing currently in the the land development code rewrite for Austin, Texas, you can sort of integrate the concept of missing middle into uh, affordable 
housing strategies uh, into you know density bonus programs. We're in Austin. We're actually thinking about how to create a density bonus program with missing middle at the core of it, so that you can encourage this compatible house scale infill that just happens to have multiple units in the building. You've mentioned that that you're getting a good response from builders and developers on, on the missing middle concept. Yeah, it's it's been great to see kind of both really great response from both the private sector and the public sector. So I about six weeks ago, I spoke at um, Professional Builder Magazine's Housing Giants Conference. And I mean, these are you know the biggest of the production home builders in the room. And they're realizing they need to be talking about how to diversify the types of housing they're delivering. And, you know, what's exciting about that is it could have a really tremendous impact fairly quickly um, if groups like that can start, you know, start thinking about how to build and deliver missing metal housing. We're, we're working with a builder up in Salt Lake City, the Salt Lake City region called Holmes Homes, and we're, we were able to work with them to um, design some really creative what we call muse housing types that they used to hit a entry-level market at a price point they weren't able to hit even with a fairly traditional townhouse type. So, you know, it's being used very creatively by builders who are kind of thinking ahead to market shifting and how to hit their their target markets from a price price standpoint. Yeah, and I would think that the you know the builders market. I, I've always found the builders market to be more progressive. I think than a lot of the local governments that that control the zoning. The, from the builders' perspective, they the more units that they can build on any particular piece of property, generally the better off that they're going to be financially. So I think that they're generally pretty motivated. My sense is that the resistance tends to come more from the you know I, I know builders who have tried to present progressive ideas. But there's some resistance and pushback from like local zoning boards, local um, commissions or whatever. So, yeah, and I think part of the reason that there is that resistance out there is right, because what we see a lot being built is in, in a lot of different places, there's jumping immediately from single family up to a four or five story, either apartment or a mixed use building where, right, once again, the, the middle is missing. And there's a large number of reasons, and a lot of it's sort of once again getting back to what your land development regulations or your zoning's asking for. A lot of times, there's actually zoning districts missing that encourage the missing middle. It kind of jumps up immediately from that two, you know, two and a half story scale up to four or five stories of unlimited size. Um, so I think once what we've seen is once uh, cities and uh, planning departments take the steps and decision makers to remove the barriers, the, the builders have been responding really well. And um, it's, it's with a really high quality housing that um, kind of reinforces the community's patterns. And are you aware of any work done in terms of um, the fiscal impacts? How, how does it affect the finances of a community to approve this kind of housing? Is there any work being done in that area? Yeah, I, I would say the, there's not enough. The, the city of Nashville, Tennessee, under the leadership of Rick Bernhardt as the planning director, they've been doing a lot of integration of missing middle to help them achieve sort of affordability goals as well as using form-based coding to implement their concepts. They've, they're the most progressive in terms of tracking sort of the financial benefit for the city. And there's, unfortunately, there's just very few other places that have done that specific to the missing middle. Now, um, you know, there's folks out there that are making a great case, whether it be the folks at Strong Towns 
or uh, Joe Minicozzi that are sort of really great at showing communities the, the financial benefit of growing in a smarter way that focuses more on infill and walkable urban patterns than suburban patterns. So, Daniel, where can people learn more about your work and more about missing middle housing? About a year and a half ago now, we launched a free online resource at missingmiddlehousing.com. So I just encourage folks to go to the website and take a look at it. We've got an extensive catalog of photographs. Um, We've actually done some pretty extensive documentation of missing middle examples from across the country. If you go to opticosdesign.com, we actually write a fairly regular blog post. If you want to sign up, uh, I would say a good majority of those blog posts that opticosdesign.com are missing middle housing related and uh, others are form-based code related. And, you know, we write generally about the need for more diverse walkable communities. So you can, you can find information there. We're actually, one exciting thing is I'm actually just submitted a book proposal to write a book or co-author a book on missing middle housing with Chris Nelson out of the University of, of Arizona. So hoping that'll uh, sort of quickly move through the approval process and you'd see a, a book out on this topic uh, probably in a, about a year, a little over that. Fantastic. Daniel, I'm looking forward to seeing your session at the New Partners for Smart Growth. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We look forward to you joining us next week on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Infinite Earth Radio and Twitter by following at Infinite Earth Radio.